Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Okay, so tonight we are starting our new series called Spiritual Warfare. Now, what comes to your mind when I say war? Hunter? Germany. All right, why is that? Yeah, the big, the, the, the big war, the World War II, right? Or World War I, or any other war Germany's been a part of, those rascals. War, right? You think of what? What else do you think of? Give me some specifics. So Hunter thinks of Germany. Tell me something else. What's that? You say dirt? Dirt. Tell me why. Okay. You're fighting over dirt. So you're fighting over land? That'll work. Okay. Dirt, trench warfare. All right. What else do you guys think of? Here. Shh. What's that? Military. All right. Give me some examples of military. What does the military use to fight? Huh? They use weapons, right? Now, our military doesn't use weapons like this anymore. This would be more of a, well, this is, this is a kind of a fantasy movie sword. They would not use this, no. However, see, I picture, I picture myself like in a night outfit. That's what I, this is so cool. Rainy? Why do I have, you know, this is a funny story. Why I, you're getting nervous, aren't you? I won't cut your hair. It's all good. This, does anybody, real quick, I'm not going to go on tangent, I promise. Does anybody recognize this? If you do, I will lit, legit buy you a snack. Johnny? Yeah, wait, what? No. No. Oh, hold on. Do you know the name of it? If nobody can think of the name of it, I'll give you. I'm going to tell you what it starts with. It is from Lord of the Rings. Because isn't Clamdring, isn't that, that's the, uh, it's Gandalf's sword, but that's not Clamdring. Are you sure it's Clamdring? Is it? I thought that was the orc sword, the, the dagger. Oh, Sting, you're right. Okay, you win, you got it. I was thinking it was a dagger, yes. No, this is from, this is from Lord of the Rings, a movie that I was, uh, a series I was quite obsessed with when it came out. And so when I saw this sword, this isn't the one I really wanted. The one I really wanted was Aragorn's sword, the sword of the king. However, this is still pretty cool, and it was at a swap meet in Florida, and my amazing in-laws, Ashley's mom and dad, got it for me for like Christmas or something, or my birthday. So it's very cool. Now, uh, this is not legit. This was not forged by elves. This was forged by a gentleman in Pakistan, I believe. Uh, so I don't think you could do a whole lot in battle with this sword, but it looks really cool hanging on the wall in my basement. So, All right, everybody. Stop it. Back to task. So militaries back in the day back in the middle ages did go to war something like this right right they would uh, run into battle and they would swing these huge swords and now so we think of warfare we think of these kind of weapons and today's modern warfare we think of tanks we think of missiles we think of uh, uh, warships we think of all kinds of stuff right we think of planes and jets and Rockets and just crazy, crazy stuff. So that's what we think of. When we think of war, these are the first things that come into my mind. When I think of war, I think of those old videos, just like Hunter said, with World War II, I think of uh, German Blitzkrieg and these tanks rolling over France and just crazy, crazy stuff. People dying. That's what I think of when I think of war. Now let me ask you this. What do you think of when I say spiritual warfare? 
What comes to your mind when I say spiritual warfare? What kind of things come to your mind? Keely? All kinds of things? Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, anxiety. Yeah, that could... Praise God. That's exciting. All right, okay, which we'll get into that. What else do you think of when you think spiritual warfare? Depression. All right, I mean, you guys are getting some specifics. That's great, Hunter. And angel, yeah, angels and demons, right? We're thinking of this epic battle that we can't see. And you guys are on track. Very good, excellent. All right, so when I think of spiritual warfare, that's what I think of. Now, here's what we're going to do. Turn, for those of you who brought a notebook, who got my text today, or on, or on band app, very well done. Riley, I see you brought your notebook. Even though you don't seem to take any notes yet, that's all right. I'll give you some time. Very good. So I'll give you a heads up. Everybody bring a notebook next week to take some notes because I firmly believe that some stuff in this series this, over the next several weeks will honestly change the way that you walk out your faith, change the way that you speak, change the way that you live your life. Samara, does that sound good? See? And wouldn't you, if I said there's something in the next several weeks that I'm going to say that will literally change your life, you probably want to write that down, right? Right? Now, maybe you are a complete auditory learner, and you hear something and you learn it immediately. I'll give you that. That's perfectly fine. But the majority of people learn better when you write it down, when you're, when you're engaged with something and you are actually spelling it out and writing it down, making a bulleted list or whatever. So take that for what it's worth. Not required, but very, very helpful. Because you're going to want to take some of this down. You're going to remember, remember it. Ephesians chapter 6. Here's going to be our prime verse over the next few weeks. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. Who wrote Ephesians? Who wrote Ephesians? Who? Paul. Who did he write it to? The Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, right? He's writing to believers, okay? So these are Christians that he's writing to. So... Ephesians 6, a final word, be strong in the Lord in his mighty and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So I'm going to break that down for you real quick. There's the two commands in this verse. In verse 10, we see a command of be strong in the Lord. And when you do any kind of word study on that, when you break it down into the, the, uh, the Greek, the way it was written, that is like allow yourself to continually be made strong by God's power. Continually. This is a continual thing. Okay? For any of you who know anything about military stuff at all, if you read any news about our country or whatever, does our military ever stand down? No, we are active somewhere in the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our military is vigilant. If our military decided, hey, uh, we all take weekends off now, so we're going to shut down the warships, the submarines, the, the missiles, the computer systems, the guidance systems, the scanners, the trackers, the satellites, all of it, we're just going to shut it down every weekend because everybody needs a break, right? I mean, being vigilant all the time is exhausting. So Bob, shut down that satellite. We're all going to take the weekend off. What do you think is going to happen? 
Well, <laughs> I hope not, but yeah, we're going to get an attack. Somebody's going to take advantage of us dropping our guard, right? Right? Somebody's going to take advantage of that. If we let our guard down, somebody's going to take advantage. So what this command is saying in verse 10 is be strong. Continually be strengthened by God's power. Continually. It's an ongoing action, and it's a command. Allow yourself to be strengthened with the power that God has already made available to you. Do you realize that God's power is available to you any time you decide to use it? Anytime. Anytime. If we have an operator sitting at a missile silo, right? There is a missile on the launching pad, ready to go. What does he have to do? He has to push a button, right? Now, obviously for security, there's like cracking codes and all this kind of other crazy stuff. But the power is there, right? What does he do? He flips a switch, he pushes a button, and that thing's gone. The power is there to use. Think of the electricity in this room. You can't see it, smell it, taste it. You can feel it if you're not careful, but you can't, you don't, you don't, we don't see electricity. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's got to react with something before we'll see it, okay? But when I flip on a light switch, or press the buttons in our case here, what happens? The lights come on, right? Was, did somebody have to call up the power company and say, hey, can you send power to Living Word Family Church? They're ready to turn some lights on. No, the power's here. We flip on a switch and it works, right? The power of God is active and alive in your life. We simply speak a word, flip a switch, and it's there for us to use. It is available and powerful. We have to allow ourselves to be strengthened by the power of God and use the power of God, all right? Command number two in verse 11, what does it say? It says, put on the full armor of God. Now, this is a specific command. It says, put it on. Put on that full armor of God. Why do we put armor on? Andrew, come here. You can trust me, I promise. Come here. Andrew, come here. Now, Andrew, I want you to stand over here. Stand over here. Here we go. Here we go. You guys have seen these battle movies, right? Has anybody seen like King Arthur and all these kind of movies, right? Okay, so we start out on the battlefield. Are you, are you watching here? All right, we start on the battlefield. Swords are drawn. If I, if, if I had my brothers, I'd be on a horse, but that was hard to pull off for tonight. So what's going to happen? When they say charge, what's going to happen? Man, I'm charging through the battlefield, and what am I doing? Man, I'm using that power that I've got, and I'm using this weapon, this tool, and I'm slicing down. Now, if he's, got, if he's standing there, look at him, just all kinds of just like innocent and everything. If he's got nothing to defend himself, what's going to happen? That sword, this power is going to come down heavy and it's going to hurt him. It's going to do some damage, isn't it? Isn't it? Now, what does he need to defend himself? He needs a sword. He needs an offensive weapon. Yes, what else does he need? He needs armor, right? And we're going to get into some specifics on armor later. But he needs armor, right? If he's got a big old shield, and if I come down on him, what are you going to do? Rest your shield up. Boom, and just, boom, my sword's going to come right off of that shield, Right? You know, and then we, you know, we get some close combat action, and I mean, everybody knows we, I would win, you know, some better, but and he's got a shield, right? Thank you very much. He's got a shield, right? He's going to want a shield. If you go into a battle with somebody who's got a weapon that's powerful, and you don't have anything to defend yourself or protect yourself, you're going to get hurt, all right? You're going to get hurt. 
So we see here, Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God, continually put on that protection of God against what? The strategies, or some translations say schemes, of the devil. Now I'm going to ask you a question, and I want your honest-to-goodness opinion. I want you to be flat-out honest with me, okay? Raise your hand if you believe that hell is real, the devil is real, and that there are demons out there. Raise your hand high. All right, it's about, it's everybody, about everybody in the room. All right, hey, you know what? That's fine. Because here's what I have noticed over the last several years. There's this thing that's, that's seeping into our culture that hell isn't real, the devil isn't real, there's no such thing as hell or anything like that. When you're dead, you're dead like a dog, and there's just nothing afterwards. That is flat-out false, all right? Flat-out false. And so we've seen this seeping into our culture, okay? And if you're not careful, if that's, your, if that's the way that you think about things, okay, you are going to miss this entire big picture that we're talking about of spiritual warfare. Because if there is no hell, if there is no devil, if there are no demons, all right, if there are no evil spirits, okay, and I'm not talking about voodoo stuff, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff, I'm talking about legit evil spirits that, that are fallen angels that are here to hurt you, okay? We see Jesus talk about them all the time. How many times did Jesus cast out a demon from somebody because they were being tormented by an evil spirit? It's weird to talk about. It's not something that we are accustomed to seeing, obviously, um, because I think that the devil's game plan changes based on our culture and how he's able to manipulate us. Because let's see this. We're seeing schemes here. The devil's schemes, plans, strategies, ways of attack. All right? And when somebody has a scheme to attack you, number one, if you're not ready for it, you're going to get hurt. And number two, if you know about it, what can you do? You can defend, right? You can prepare for it. can attack. You know, launch a preemptive strike, if you will, all right? So here we run into some dangers, okay? We can run into the danger of thinking too much about the whole demonic realm and, and, and Satan and demons and stuff like that, and it just, like, worries you to death and worries you sick. And every time something goes wrong in your life, you think that there's a demon behind it or something. Now, I don't think that we're really in that frame of mind, especially not at this church, but really as a culture, not so much. That used to be a little bit more so uh, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. But here, the trouble, the danger we run into now in our culture in our day and age is thinking too little of it not giving it any kind of attention or regard at all, okay? Not having an understanding of tactics and schemes that the enemy would use against us. Now, a couple of tactics that we know the enemy uses is divide and conquer. Does anybody know what divide and conquer means? All right, if you have a massive army that's coming at you, let's talk about 100,000 soldiers, and they are, they are marching on on your battlefield. They're coming at you, right? If you can divide that army... If somehow you can flank them so that they turn away from each other and start to divide apart, and you can get down the middle, I mean, you can divide that army up, right? You divide and conquer. It's easier to divide an army, divide an army and defeat an army half the size, okay? If you can get them to divide, you can conquer them much easier. I'll give you another example. How many of you know somebody, maybe there's somebody that you are used to be close to or were close to, maybe they're a little bit of a manipulator type of a person, and what do they try to do? They try to spread lies and rumors to divide you from a friend, divide and conquer. Because we are stronger together, so if somebody's trying to pull us apart, there's a reason for that, okay? So divide and conquer. 
The other one is guerrilla warfare. Does anybody know what that is? A tactic used by the Vietnamese, but even before that, it was a tactic used by the American Indians as well in some of the wars that we had here on this uh, continent. What guerrilla warfare is, is the exact opposite of the kind of, you know, stand in a line, point and shoot at each other, take turns, very like civil, gentlemanly warfare that we saw in the Civil War and also in, uh, most notably, in the Revolutionary War. That's how the British fought. Bright red uniforms, plain as day, you can see us. We're going to stand in a straight line. We're going to hold up a flag. All right, we're going to go ahead and go first. We're going to shoot you. Some of your guys are going to die. <coughs> Excuse me. Then we're going to go ahead and stand here, reload our guns. We're going to let you shoot at us. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Even as a kid, I'm like, this is just silly. Why would you do that? Why would you just stand there and take a shot? This is crazy. So guerrilla warfare. Has anybody seen The Patriot? I'm going to go and plug that. I love that movie. The Patriot, guerrilla warfare is what Mel Gibson did, his character did in The Patriot. None of this standing in line stuff, man. He took his guys, they ran into the woods, they, caught, they, they flanked people, they went around behind these caravans, and I mean, just, that's guerrilla warfare. It's, it's sneak and hide and fight, okay? Run away and hide and sneak and fight and quick shots and just this kind of thing. That is another tactic of the enemy. That's another tactic of the devil, is this guerrilla warfare. What does it try to do? Hey, don't worry. There's, there's no hell. There's no demons. What you worry about it? And the next thing you know, you're getting little suggestions in your mind about things that you used to struggle with, that you've been delivered from. God has set you free. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's uh, self-harm. And there's a little whisper. In your mind, you start thinking about these things that you haven't thought about in a long time, things that are not good for you, Okay. We're not careful. We're just going to we're just going to try to deal with that on our own, and not see the bigger picture behind it that the enemy's coming against you. Sneak attack. All right. We've got to be cognizant of these things. All right. So, those are just a couple strategies, and there's many more. But the Bible says we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, his strategies, his schemes. We're not ignorant of that. We know what he tries to do. We know he is out to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. We know what his goal is. His goal is to take us out. And if he can completely wipe out our effectiveness for the kingdom, he doesn't have to kill us. What's our goal as believers, as Christians? Our goal is to be on fire for the kingdom of God. Our goal is to be on fire for the gospel. Our goal is to share our faith with people that we love and care about with our friends. And we say, I don't want you to go to hell. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's our goal. If the enemy can get us to stumble and fall in sin, the more public, the better. Hey, that person was a Christian, and look, they got drunk at a party, and now they're pregnant. Oh, fine Christian they are. The more public, the better. How many of you heard of these big TV ministers that fell into sin or some other type of fraud or bank fraud or something like that that completely tarnishes their reputation and have turned many people away? That is an attack of the enemy. Because the enemy says, here is somebody that is literally seen by thousands of people on television preaching the gospel. If I can get this person to fall, I'm going to take out a whole lot of people with them because some people are going to start stepping away from the faith being like, you know what? If that's how Christianity is, I don't want any part of it. You know what I'm saying? That's an attack. That's a scheme. That's a device of the enemy. All right. I'm going to share with you over the next couple of weeks five truths. We're, gonna, we're just going to hit on two of them tonight. 
Five truths about spiritual warfare. Number one, there is an invisible world that is just as real as the visible world. There is an invisible world that is just as real as the visible world. Just as real. We do not interact with it with our five senses. All right? We can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, or hear it. And that's how we interact with our physical world, right? Right? See? You just felt that, right? I interacted with you. You heard it. You heard your hair rustle. You felt it, right? Maybe you smelled your hairspray as I did it. We interact with our world, our physical world, with our five senses, okay? I know you're loving me right now, aren't you? We interact with our physical world with our five senses. With, when I'm talking about the spiritual realm, and I'm not going to get too deep on this and into the weeds on this, when I'm talking about the spiritual realm, this is not something we can interact with with our five senses, okay? This is something that we interact with with our spirit. This is something that we know is going on. We speak to it. We speak against it. We stand in faith. <clears throat> I'm going to give you something, just an example. We don't have to turn here. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 15. Here's real quick. I'm going to skim through it. When the servant of the man got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. <clears throat> Let me quick, quick background. Uh, Elisha and his servant were surrounded by an army. This army was coming after them, okay? They're basically surrounded, this huge army. So this kid gets up, the servant gets up, and he comes back and he says, uh, Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And Elisha said, I love this, Don't be afraid. Oh, look, thank you. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And the kid's probably like, There's just two of us, right? And they got horses and chariots, and they're surrounding us, and they are, just, did you count right? Like, I'm just, I'm confused here a little bit. Elisha said, don't worry, there are more with us than there are with them. And then Elisha prayed. Now listen to this. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Now listen, this is a miracle. God actually opened his eyes to see into the spiritual realm. And listen to what he saw. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with, with horses and chariots, not just horses and chariots, but horses and chariots of fire. That is awesome. Would you like to see that? As the, uh, as the Aramean army, excuse me, Aramean army advanced toward Elisha, he prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness. This is a battle, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> that is taking place in both the physical and spiritual realms. So we see in the natural, with our natural eye, we see this huge army surrounding us. There is no natural way in the world we are getting out of this alive. That's what the servant saw. What did Elisha see? Elisha knew the truth. Even if he couldn't see it, he knew it. So he asked God to open up the servant's eyes so he could see it and have an understanding of what they had on their side which is the very army of God. Now, this is a spiritual army that God calls into battle to fight for his people. This is huge. I'm not just talking about chariots. I'm not just talking about horses. I'm not talking about rockets and missiles and tanks. I'm talking about literal power. Total, unadulterated power of God. I'm talking fire. Horses that breathe fire. I mean, just like craziness, okay? I'm trying to visualize this in my head, and it's just nuts. So his eyes were open, and he saw this army of God, okay? So we see that here. And then if you go to Daniel chapter 10, Johnny, you don't have to worry about this one. 
I'm just going to give you a quick overview of this, okay? So Daniel was praying, right? He was interceding. He was praying for an answer from God. And I want you to see this. Uh, uh, when the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, um, no meat, no wine crossed my lips, and I used no... Okay, April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. Okay, so he describes the angel. Uh, he talked about he was the only one that saw this vision. The man with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away. They didn't see anything, and yet they were suddenly terrified. Something spoke to their spirits and said, get out of here, there's something coming. Take that for what it's worth, all right? So I was left there alone to see this amazing vision. So he goes on to talk about the vision. Uh, let's see here, then we will go down. Verse 11, the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up and I was trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since... Now listen, do you remember how long he was been praying? Three weeks. Three weeks Daniel had been praying. And Daniel was a, Daniel was a man of faith. He was, he was a man of God, okay? He did some amazing things in his life. But he said... Let's see here, sorry. Um... Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come and answered to your prayer from day one. Daniel prayed and God answered from day one. Now you might ask yourself, why did it take three weeks for him to receive this vision, to receive this answer to his prayer? The angel said, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and left, and I left him here, there with the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. So what do you picture here? God sends a messenger angel to Daniel with the answer on the day he prayed. We're talking in the spirit realm here, okay? There is an angel on the way with the answer to his prayer. And what happens? We see the spirit of the prince of Persia. Now, this is not a real man. This is a spirit. This is a demon, okay? And I've heard a lot, I've heard messages that, that go into great detail on all of this, on how um, societies and kingdoms had like their own ruling demon kind of thing. We're not going to get into all of that, okay? Not right now, anyway. But I want you to understand that Persia was an evil nation. They did a lot of bad things. They had a demon as their prince. prince the prince of Persia was a demon, okay? The angel and this demon were battling, all right? And they were duking it out for 21 days when God sent backup. So God sent backup. The other angel took on this demon, and the, and the original messaging angel was able to get to Daniel. 21 days, but do you see what else happened? Daniel didn't give up. Daniel didn't say after a couple of days, well, I never heard from God. I guess I'll give up on that. No, he continued to pray and stand in faith that God was sending him an answer, all right? This is the spiritual warfare I'm talking about. So when some of you guys had mentioned examples of spiritual warfare, and you talked about depression, you talked about anxiety, I cannot tell you how many students I have talked to, I apologize, am I getting really loud? I apologize. How many students I have talked to over the last few years that have dealt with anxiety? I'm talking about like crippling anxiety. Anxiety that kept them from living life, from enjoying their life. The kind of anxiety that would just throw you into depression. The kind of anxiety that would just make you want to hurt yourself, okay? 
I, I have been seeing this more and more and more. This is a growing thing that I've noticed, okay? Do you think that that is a coincidence? Spirit of the age, our culture, our anything goes culture, our me, me, me culture, all of this is wrapped around. These are all schemes and devices, okay? So not every single thing that, that, that goes wrong in your life is, is, uh, sorry, is a demon that's doing something, okay? This is all plans and schemes set into motion, all right? So if there is something that tripped you up before that God set you free from, and if, if the enemy knows that he can just whisper into your ear and it'll set some stuff into motion, you don't have to do anything else. He just sets some things into motion, and you step right back in. If you're not careful, you step right back into that old stuff, all right? But anxiety, depression, all this kind of stuff, addictions, all that kind of stuff, these are spiritual things that are pulling on us, that are attacking us, okay? And we have got to know how to fight them. Because if the enemy comes at you with a weapon, you better have a defense. You better be ready to take a hit, okay? Because God says in his word, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Smart, you know that God's word says that? He said, any weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, did he say that no weapon will be formed against you? No. There will be weapons that are formed against you. There will be attacks that are lobbed against you. And yet, they will not prosper when you stand with God. They will not prosper. What does that mean? It means they will not be successful. They will not hit their target. When we are faithful when we stand in faith in God's word, when we walk in faith and we know that we are fighting a battle that is more than just the natural that we see, we will begin to engage the enemy on their turf. We will begin to win those battles. We will be armed with the armor of God, which we will get into in the coming weeks. So number two. So number one was we, there is an invisible world that is just as real as the visible world. Number two, real quick, we are involved in an, invis in, an invisible war, a cosmic conflict that has eternal implications. So if we choose to ignore spiritual warfare and pretend it doesn't exist, there are implications with that. Okay? Give me a quick example. If some kid from the back of the class is spitting spit wads, shooting spit wads at you, and if you just kind of look around, if you're just kind of swatting, is that, what's that going to do? Nothing. If you don't know where it's coming from or if you don't know what's causing it, you're just going to flare around. You're going to look like a fool, right? Such is life. If you don't know where an attack is coming from or what's happening or what's causing that, what's causing that to go on in your life, you're going to flare around, you're going to try your own things, you're going to try to figure it out on your own, and you're going to look like a fool. Nothing's going to work. It's going to keep happening over and over again. It's going to get worse and worse and worse because you don't know what's going on. And yet if you know that the spitball's coming from a goofball in the back of the classroom, you turn around, tell them to knock it off, you know, and deal with it, right? You deal with the problem, with the issue, okay? When you confront the problem, confront the issue, that's the only way to win. That's the only way to be victorious. That's the only way to tackle these battles, all right? But we have to acknowledge what's going on. We have to acknowledge that there's a deeper thing than just what we see in the natural, that there's a spiritual warfare going on. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, We do not war according to the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. 
We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. These are arguments against God. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Spiritual warfare. We do not a war, battle according to flesh and blood. We battle. Our, our battle is a spiritual battle. And when you start seeing that and understanding that, you begin to be victorious in those battles and those struggles. Everybody stand up. Worship team, you guys can come on up. One of the tactics in warfare, one of the tactics in warfare, or in, you know what, even um, um, if the police are trying to come into a building, what's one of the things that they commonly do? Because they're going into that building. They don't know who's around what corner, what's going on. What are they, what's that? A flashbang or a smoke bomb, what does that do? Distraction blinds the enemy, right? If the enemy cannot see you, they are at a strategic disadvantage. The word says, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that Satan blinds the eyes of people so that they do not recognize God, so that they do not recognize the gospel message. Satan literally blinds people's eyes. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody? Uh, sorry, give me one second here. If you ever tried to explain something to somebody, and no matter how you explain it, they just don't get it. They're literally blind to it. They cannot understand it. They cannot see it. Their eyes have been blinded. That is what this that verse is talking about in 2 Corinthians when it says that Satan has blinded the eyes of those who do not belong to God so that they cannot see God for who he is. How many of you have seen people that are walking around, they can see stuff, but they're blind to life? All right, so let's not be blind tonight. As we enter into worship, let's go in to our, the rest of our week understanding and knowing that there is more out there than what we can see. That there is more pushing against us and fighting against us than just the things that we can see with our physical eyes and experience with our five senses. There's a spiritual warfare going on out there, a spiritual battle. Now, we already have the victory. We won the victory when Jesus died on the cross and when he was buried and rose again, we have the victory. The war is done. The war is done, and yet there are pockets of resistance and there are pockets of, uh, of evil out there that want to take you down. The war's already been won. They know that it's been won, and yet they're going to keep fighting and attacking you no matter what because they are, a, they are not an honorable foe. The enemy will do whatever he can to pull you down and destroy your life. You have got to know what you are fighting and what you are going up against, what you're up against. God has such an awesome plan for your life. He wants to see that plan unfold. He wants to see you grow and thrive and flourish and bear fruit in your life. He wants to see you blessed. But we have got to know what we're up against. We've got to count the cost. We have to understand the enemy that wants to attack us. So as we worship tonight, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put away all distractions. Don't look at anybody else. I want this to be between you and our Heavenly Father. I want you to sing and glorify God and understand that we serve a God who is a victorious God, who is a powerful God, who is a God that will bring us through.